Hey, y'all. Uh, just wanted to pop in really quickly and say thank you so much for listening. We, like, appreciate it. Literally every single time we drop an episode, our downloads go up, we get new subscribers, everything. And we know that's because you're sharing the show. You like what we're doing, and we so, so appreciate it. One thing I, I have been forgetting to do this season is to let you know of ways to support the show. One easy way is to like, subscribe, and share, continue to share of the show. And another way is to financially support the show because running this thing is not free. It does take time um, and stuff like that. And uh, also got to pay the intern. So we got a couple ways. There is the Patreon page where we have three separate tiers. We're actually updating those, but we have a $3 and a $5 and a $10. And then um, our coffee page where you could just simply do a one-time donation. If you want to give more than $10, that is where you do it. Um, So all that information is in the show notes. Uh, Please go ahead and do that. We love and appreciate if you do. But other than that, let's get into it. What is good, y'all? It is your boy, Jonathan. It is so good to be with you. We uh, have some highly visible stories for you this week. Um, So let's get into it. First up, we have President Biden making moves on the student loan forgiveness arena No, he hasn't forgiven anything yet, Um, but he did veto a measure that was aimed at overturning his plan to forgive up to $20,000 in federal student loan debt for borrowers earning less than $125,000 annually. Now, this plan would impact potentially 40 million borrowers. And best believe your boy is one of them. So I'm so glad he was he was able to veto that. However, it fell short of the required two-thirds majority vote in both the House and Senate to overturn Biden's veto. So it really doesn't matter. Um, so for now, student loan forgiveness plan stands strong. Now, it was more of a political stunt rather than anything, right? Um, it wasn't going to pass. They didn't have the votes to overturn the veto. They knew that. Here's where we're at right now, right? The Supreme Court is currently boasting a conservative majority. Um, And they're reviewing the legal challenge that could potentially eliminate the program altogether. So we're going to potentially expect a decision. I saw some estimates by the end of this month. We don't know for sure, but it's for sure going to be by the end of this summer. So we will we will see um, on that front. Now on to Nikki Haley. Now, if you didn't know, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley is running for Republican presidential nomination. And she had a town hall this week which went pretty much as you would expect, given the current state of the Republican Party. And she was asked to define woke, and she said this. What does it mean to you? How do you define woke? There's a lot of things. I mean, you want to start with biological boys playing in girls' sports. That's one thing. The fact that we have gender pronoun classes in the military now. I mean, all of these things that are pushing what a small minority want on the majority of Americans, it's too much. It's too much. I mean, the idea that we have biological boys playing in girls' sports, it is the women's issue of our time. My daughter ran track in high school. I don't even know how I would have that conversation with her. How are we supposed to get our girls used to the fact that biological boys are in their locker rooms? And then we wonder why a third of our teenage girls seriously contemplated suicide last year? Okay. Now, there is a lot wrong with what Nikki Haley said. The first is, like most Republicans, she can't define woke. It's because they they don't even know what woke is. They can't define it because they don't know. They co-opted a word. Two, she tells a blatant lie about the terrifying statistics on teen suicide. 
and three, and this is where I want to really spend a bulk of the time what we're talking about here, is uh, she blames trans kids. She blames trans kids for the increase in suicide and suicidal ideation. Now, I just let me just like frame it. Nikki Haley is suggesting that the mere presence of trans girls in locker rooms makes other kids not want to be alive anymore. What are we doing? What are we talking about? Um, that's fucking disgusting, right? We've seen this kind of rhetoric, this kind of like language happen, particularly in the last few years, but throughout history, right? Um, we think of any genocide throughout uh, throughout history. This is the kind of rhetoric that has happened. Dehumanize and uh, condemn the existence of people, of human beings. It's fucking disgusting. Um, and it puts a greater target on the backs of trans folks, particularly trans folks of color. Um, I want to hit y'all with a few quick stats that were I first saw from Dr. David Johns, who is the executive director at the National Black Justice Coalition. Um, he shared actually this research from the Treasure Project. It was a reshare, and I went and looked it up. But anyways, so one in four black trans and non-binary young people reported a suicide attempt within the last year. 75% of black trans and non-binary young people reported depression or depression symptoms. So terrifying numbers. On top of that, y'all, just this week, the human rights campaign for the first time ever declared the state of an emergency for LG LGBTQ plus Americans. And it's not a surprise at all. The human rights campaign also reported that this state legislative session was the worst year on record for anti-LGBTQ plus uh, legislation. More than 525 bills were introduced in 41 states. Over 221 of these bills were explicitly targeted towards trans people. And over 76 bills have actually been signed into law as of June 5th. And that's more than any other year on record and more than double um, last year. So when we hear rhetoric from Nikki Haley talking about this, it's not just dangerous. It's not just a lie. They're literally putting a community in harm's way because the thought process is I'm going to get you before you get me. And it's really, really disgusting. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to plug um, some donation links for uh, the Human Rights Campaign as well as the Trevor Project and the... Uh, whatchamacallit, but just wanted to talk through that really quickly. That's it, y'all. Let's get into the conversation. How how is uh how are you coming in today? How is everything going for you? Let's see, how am I coming in today? <clears throat> you know what's I'm in a space of like dualities. On one end, I am in Northern Virginia and I'm staying back with my grandmother. And I'm going okay. to be in Virginia for the next few weeks. And mm. so part of me is really appreciative for a little bit of like space and stillness, whereas mm. New York is constant stimulus and there's all of the things to do, all the people to do, all just all of the things. And mm. simultaneously, I miss <laughs> the city and mm. the lifestyle that comes with it. And I, you know, I share that because it's almost at this intersection of this chapter that I'm in in my journey kind of coming even mm. before my rite of passage where it's, am I in integrity with the man that I say that I am? And mm. that integrity also includes alignment with my commitments. 
Mm. So as New York is thrilling, it's engaging, it's fun, or has a type of community that I want. And as I look at where I'm at in the state of my business and the state of my personal expansion, is that space the best place for it? It'd be mm. really fun, right? But mm-hmm. I, is it? And so that's kind of where I'm in right now is just really taking a step back, being in a little bit of a stillness and like choosing from this place. So not mm-hmm. to get too distinguished on it, but that's yeah. it, it, it's, it's so reflective of just ah, this chapter that I've been in lately. It always feels like there's these conflicting ideas and the beauty mm-hmm. lies in the nuance for me. I love that. Yeah, you can get all distinct. You can get as distinguished or undistinguished as you want. Yeah, to. all right, we going. All right, cool. <laughs> you know, I just myself sometimes I'm talking to my non-coaches like, "Oh, so we going there?" So yeah, I trust that. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, um, yeah, mm, yeah. You speak. Uh, you talked about like uh, nuance and duality. I think I resonate with that um, as well because I, I feel like. Uh, there is more nuance within our like individual existences and how we collaborate within society and each other. And so I think I've been, I've been working through that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Even like, you know, when I think about how, if somebody were asking me, how am I doing? It's like, I'm doing fine. I think I'm, I'm doing good. I, I think about like, I have more clarity on, you know, business direction, um, my, being my business partner, just I received an email today that our LLC is approved. So it's like official, official. Our LLC is like recognized in the state of California and everything like that. Um, right. And I feel like there's like forward momentum on a lot of different things. But then I think of diff- other facets of my life where I feel I feel just okay. Like if I were to do like a scale of one to 10, I feel like six. Um, mm. I like feel like my body... I feel like my body is fine, but like there's parts of my body where they're just like constantly sore and it's just like frustrating. Um, mm. Like my knees, I have like runner's knee or jumper's knee. It is just like, uh, I haven't felt this amount of um, pain, like consistent, like stagnant, nagging pain um, for years. Like it's been years and mm. it's just, it's just really, really frustrating. And so like being kind and gentle with that and like stretching and massaging myself and all that stuff. Um, then yeah, it's just like nuance part of me. So like other areas, I'm an eight, nine other areas, I'm a six, maybe four or five. Um, uh, so it's just trying to, I don't know. Sometimes I try and figure out how to show up authentically, but I guess that also depends on how safe I feel and where I'm showing up to. Um, Mm. And not having to exert any additional labor um, when it comes to trying to pretend, if that makes sense. So I don't know. What you said resonated with me. Yeah. In that way. It makes a lot of sense. I think there's even a cool thread even on that where it's one, okay, and acknowledging in some areas I'm at a six or four or three and that be okay. Because I know Mm -hmm. even with myself, when I'm in spots that if we're using the one to 10 scale, like five or lower, am I mm. as open and generous in sharing that part? And it's, mm. it's something that I've really been trying to lean into and honor more recently because that's part of the lived experience, right? It kind of yeah. goes yeah. into this 
uh, at least some trap that I feel in sometimes or in society, maybe represented of the Instagram era, you only show mm. the highlights and all the good things mm. and the edited and when things are going super well. And yeah. not as likely to talk about, dang, you know, actually I got this runner knee thing or my body's not where yeah. I want to be. There's a part of like my emotion or sp- there's a, an emotion that I'm dealing with. So I think there's a, there's a lot of agency and like acknowledging all of it. But also mm. respecting the, well, do you actually feel safe in sharing that? And that's also yeah. going to depend on the containers that you're in. Yeah. But it's, I mean, opening even just so many doors here because it's just this, this element that I'm really playing for in my experience right now is that I'm really leading with my truth regardless of the spaces that I'm in. And mm. that's just sharing exactly where I'm at, how I'm feeling, not judging mm. myself or making myself wrong or right for whatever that is. But if I'm really connected and like authentically sharing my truth, whatever the experience of that is, then like honoring that. Mm. Mm. I love that. Um, Well, I feel like we're pretty warmed up. Let's get into it. I feel like we've already started. (laughs) um, I I like that. I like like the warm up with the pod. Just like, uh, let's actually talk and get connected and then we can go anywhere. Yeah. 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 Pro tip. Yeah, I love it. So um, I, I think it's always helpful. I, I mean, I love to introduce folks, but I love hearing folks share like what they're excited about, what they've been up to, um, kind of like give folks, you know, an update or kind of like a bit of who you are. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, all those things. So go ahead and share. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I always love that yeah. question. Like, who are you? Yeah. I think it's one of the most important questions that you can answer about yourself and that mm-hmm. answering that question is going to have the biggest impact on your lived experience. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. so easy to default to that to name or identity as opposed mm-hmm. to who are you really? Like what's the experience of yourself? Mm-hmm. And I also share that because that question has been really top of mind for me. Well, I'll say over the last few years, but really hyper even over the last three months given some mm. transitions and experiences I've been in my own journey. Yeah. We mentioned I recently completed a men's rite of passage ceremony, which is essentially this process of reclaiming, or actually I don't even read, but claiming the experience of the man that I want to be. Mm. We actually mm. came up with a power statement during that that I'll share here that is representative of who nice. I am. My name is Richard Austin Walker, and I'm a man who shows the fuck up. I lead with truth and love, and I inspire possibility. Like outside of different elements of my identity, different titles that I hold, that's the experience of me. And Mm. by, I love the distinction also of fuck that's in there. Because in general, yes. that's a profanity. But for me, mm. I almost see it in like a, a divine sense where it's, mm. it's a representation of my edge and a part of myself that I generally don't share in other spaces because I've learned that, oh, I don't know if I'll be liked or accepted if all yeah. of me is into the space. So I actually really yeah. have a lot of reverence in being able to introduce the experience of myself like that. And even just to mm. put a little bit more planks around it, like a man who shows the fuck up, I think it's such a powerful distinction just to look in life mm. was like, where are you showing up? Like, all right, present, I'm here versus where are you really bringing it? 
bringing all mm. of you. And it goes back to that point. Well, it's hard to bring something that you're not connected to what that is or the experience of yourself mm. that you're really standing for. Yep, yep. And I think this is especially true for men of color. And for me, it's a representation of truly bringing and allowing all of me to be seen and experienced in instances. It's not to say in any given moment, I have to give all of me, but it's available should I choose it. It's bringing my leadership, it's bringing my love, it's bringing my presence, it's bringing my openness, my generosity, my partnership. Mm. So that's who I am, (laughs) the thing that I do, right? I'm a coach, I'm a facilitator, uh, I lead men's work. And what really excites me right now is even just a clear refinement of where I want to serve my purpose. And Mm. well, my purpose is to be a vessel for God's love. And the mission for that is to empowering other black and brown men to show the fuck up for themselves so that they can lead, so that they can love, they can serve their missions in their communities. Yeah, I like the use of like profanity too, because like it yeah. dismantles these kind of ideas and structures um, when we think about professionalism, right? Um, and I think that there is like a level of authenticity and realness that comes with um, with with bringing all of all of you, um, even in a, in a statement like like that, because I think it's like. Even for me, I noticed myself like being jarred. And this is a, I cuss all the time. I'm like, fuckity fuck, 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 fuck. Like I, <laughs> that, 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 that's not the, that's not the piece uh, that's like jarring. But I think when we talk about as we show up um, and choosing to show up, like, so oftentimes I like leave it at that. Like I want to be somebody who shows up, but I think adding that like shows the fuck up. Like I am fucking here. I think that adds an element of like, assertiveness that probably three or four years ago i'd be so hesitant to do um and i think i said this on a previous pod but like there's so many instances like i'm six three like 185 like i'm i i can't disappear in in spaces but there's a big portion of my life where i was trying to make myself feel so small and so like i think i'm there now with you, Austin, of like, I want to be somebody who like, when I step into a room, I don't leave bits and pieces of me outside or at the door. Like I'm showing the fuck up. Like this is, my name is Jonathan Lamel Dumas, you know, like that is my name and I'm here and this is all that this, this includes, right? Yeah. So I love that, like that statement, bro. That's, that's super powerful. I love it. Yeah. Well, there's uh, a couple of even elements from there. I mean, even just considering one for like, there's an impact to showing the fuck up and there's an impact to just showing up. And Mm. it's something that's been really in my space, even just coming off of, I was in a romantic relationship that recently came to a close in the past few months. This was a lot of catalyst to answering this question as I, well, one, just even a sidebar, romantic relationships are such a powerful clearing to actually see, like, are you in integrity with what you claim to be? And even realizing in myself, there's an impact to not bring it at all, to not speaking your truth, to not having mm-hmm. the uncomfortable conversation, to not showing the fuck up. So mm-hmm. I look at it as less of a, a, a right or wrong, but can you own the impact of when you don't and what yes. happens when you do? 
And mm. I think this is even further magnified, at least in my experience, I think you share some resonance with this, particularly when you're growing up in white normative spaces, showing the fuck up, you know, as a man of color mm. is seen, can be seen as dangerous or edgy, mm. or will I be accepted for being, bringing all of me? And mm. right, I don't want to make wrong any of the experience because toning myself down in previous iterations of myself served me and supported me for being accepted and being welcomed in specific communities. It's just where I'm at now. I'm not willing to compromise my truth just to be liked or accepted. Yeah. And it's, yeah. which is again, kind of where this fuck thing comes back into where it's like, Ooh, like a yeah. little edge. It's like, all right, I'm cool. Yeah. If yeah, like you don't fuck with me, I'm not for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think there's something that's really empowering for me is being okay with that and owning that. I'm actually not for everybody. Mm. And yeah. I'm even going to be further connected to the people who do rock with me. And mm-hmm. I, that, that's mm-hmm. where I want to play. Yeah. Yeah. And like where, what I just, uh, something that you said too is like, I'm not for everybody. And I was thinking about this, like, I literally was just thinking about this stuff, <laughs> not even, not even a part of our conversation, but I think yesterday or something, I, I have these random deep thoughts, but like, like I'm not, I'm not for everybody. Like how I show up, how I am and exist and uh, occupy space. Like in particular, I'm thinking about business, but I do this in my personal life because I don't believe in the personal self, business self person thing um, anymore. But I think that there is, um, that like it is completely okay if I show up and like do a business presentation or a proposal and somebody's like, you know what, I'm not with this. I don't like this part about this or whatever. And, you know, and I'm like, that's fine. And I think there's a before that would have been devastating to me that like that that wasn't accepted. Like it says something about me, but it truly actually doesn't unless I'm like in the wrong or I'm, you know, I need some correction, but like, if I do the work to get like a solid community that holds me accountable, that, you know, gets me right on track, so on and so forth. Right. But I think that there's parts of this that like in this age that we're in, you know, I think you mentioned it earlier about like social media where we're painting this picture and we want everybody to see this, like all of the perfection that we've created and crafted. I think there is a difference between showing up authentically and not being somebody's cup of tea and like actually like, stepping into that and like accessing a deeper level of freedom and autonomy and like grace for self and understanding of self and like being completely okay. Because like, like, and going back to the energy thing, like you don't have to waste your energy and this is not like cutting people off, right? It's you do have to do that, but it's not like cutting people off. It's like, I don't have to be close with everybody. Everybody doesn't have to like me. And those people that like do fuck with me, do rock with me, do want to encourage me, power me, correct me, hold me accountable, do those deep relationship stuff. That's where I should be actually investing my energy. And it might not be with 15, 30,000 like LinkedIn followers or Instagram followers. It might just be with 10 people in your, in your, that are in your corner that are just going to love the shit out of you. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I was just thinking about that. Yeah. And how, how easy it is to just like do relationship even when it gets messy, like the, the hard things be, get are easier than it would be with other people that, you know, there's just complete wires that are getting tripped up all the time. 
Yeah. Well, I think when I hear that, I think of why it's so important to be connected to your truth, because your truth is different mm -hmm. than my truth. And when you are yeah. connected to your truth, there's a recognition of not everybody's going to be in alignment with that, whether it's a business mm -hmm. proposal, whether it's a romantic partner, whether it's a friend, mm -hmm. right? Whether it's trying to figure out where you're going to go to eat and not seeing eye to eye with somebody and yeah. just being okay with like, actually, I don't even know it's being okay, but being content that you're in alignment with your truth. It doesn't mean that it does, it's not going to feel great for somebody to be like, oh, you're actually not my person. But yeah. For, for me, it's a, I can rest easy knowing that, right? Let it, I, I, I'm not going to compromise my truth just to be liked by yeah. somebody else or to be accepted. So I, I think there's yeah. also even nuance into that. It's not to say it's like, oh, well, this person rejected me or I missed this business proposal. Woo, right. Yeah. I mean, in, in some yeah. ends, it might be like that because it's, all right, great. Well, I'm just one step closer and I can direct my energy to the things that actually are aligned to it. So there's feeling yeah. of it. And I think the feeling is important too, because like, we don't want to just like be numb to things. Like, I, I think it's really important to feel and honor. And it's like, even if things like don't feel great for us, but again, mm -hmm. if it's, if you're aligned with like your truth and that's the North star that you're going more mm -hmm. times than not, I think you're going to be really pleased with the results that are generated from that. And the people that come to you when you stay connected to whatever truth may be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious for you, how did you, how did you get to this point for you? That, that point of acceptance and ownership of your own truth? Well, that's a nuanced question in itself. I'll give you the medium version of this. Well, I, 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 it's like, we might need to clear the whole day out for that one. Maybe a part two. Yeah. I, I, I look at it, I'm 34 years old now. Mm. And I really believe that for basically up until 31 years old, I was living life with my eyes over my eyes. Like I was just out here. I was, mm. again, not recklessly or not without purpose. I was goal oriented. I was focused on having a really great corporate career, but I didn't really have a true, I didn't have responsibility for the man that was showing up. And mm -hmm. what I, what I mean by that, the experience of Austin, like Austin was his name and his job title. And so essentially outside of that, there were like, I wasn't really connected with it. And it's a it's it's something that I hadn't really even, it sounds so silly even at 31 years old, but hadn't really put conscious thought to looking into like truly what is the experience of me. So a lot of, to answer your question, started when I began my coach training program, which to this day is one of the most transformational containers that I've ever been in because mm -hmm. I looked at myself as fixed prior to, I call it my awakening, right? So February, mm -hmm. 2020, I was like, when I had my awakening, which is also similar mm -hmm. to what a lot of people had their awakening around coronavirus, but another conversation. And yeah. I looked at myself as fixed before this. If X stimulus comes, then Austin's going to respond a certain way. That's just who mm -hmm. he is. Whereas now there's a recognition similar to the Victor Frankl quote between, um, Stimulus and response, there's choice. And in that choice dictates essentially how your life will play out. And just the recognition mm -hmm. that you have the opportunity to choose everything, how you show up, what's the experience of you. The past is not indicative of how things will be in the future. It was empowering as hell for me. And as I've continued mm -hmm. down my journey and getting more deeply connected and being more responsible 
for the man that stands above you, it just allows me to, 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 to stand for that experience more vigorously. And right. Mm-hmm. I think some of that comes just through doing the work and being introspective and being curious. And then also through experience, through being in situations that you aren't in your truth or that you mm-hmm. aren't in integrity with some of your highest commitments and you experience the impact of that. Like it's all part of my experience. Mm. So yeah, it's just, it's being in this work. I mean, being as a coach of holding up a mirror for other people and helping them get clear on how they're showing up. It's impossible. I think if you're really in, in this work to not Mm -hmm. constantly be doing that for yourself. And I think it's just a remarkable Mm. way to be with people that at least in my experience, most people haven't experienced in any capacity, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, wait, yeah. No, I know who I am. I know who I am, but it's like, wait, wait. Oh, actually, wait, wait, do I? Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's just, it's being in the work. And, you know, I'll, I'll end it with this. I mentioned this men's rite of passage ceremony that I recently went on. And I had never claimed the experience of the man that I wanted to be specifically. And that's one of the things that really piqued my interest about this. And as you talk about even just the conviction that I talk about this right now, I'm three weeks out of this experience. It's completely, I don't know if transformed is the right word, but really reinforced my commitment to who I am in going through a Mm -hmm. ceremony where you don't eat for four days and for four nights and you're in isolation where it's all focused on honoring the man that got you to this point, but also recognizing Mm -hmm. that that man is not the man that you want to occupy your vessel and move forward. Really getting Mm -hmm. grounded to that experience was just another anchor point that has me connected to this experience of myself. And it's something that I really believe would benefit all men, but especially men of color to go through Mm -hmm. some sort of a process in community to claim the type of man that they want to be. So it's just Mm. being in the work and continuing to expand my edges and be more responsible for the complete experience of me because 85% Mm. is just not enough. I'll get some cool results. I don't be wrong. It'll be nice, but it's actually not the thing that I'm committed to, which is fully Mm. in my truth. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the Reddit passages? Cause I'm so, I'm so curious. Like, what yeah Yeah, like what yeah because i i feel like i think that there's some obviously there's like community or cultural like rites of passages where like other communities like have those things right um i think of indigenous Mm -hmm. communities i think of other um i think of other like even uh african communities as well and in different tribes and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so i'm curious like and even (laughs) i think about this in like an american western context where you know, black folks still do stuff like that. <laughs> right, like the overgeneralized like stereotype, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, I, but I've always been curious of doing something like that. And I think there's some part of me that's like, I want to do something like this. I need to do something. Something's aching, desire. There's a desire for it, right? Um, mm. uh, I can go into the societal context of community and even like, I'm not going to say necessarily, I'm going to, I would say like fraternities, um, sororities, even like 
like gang culture, like all those different things. Like there's different dynamics, right? There's there's obviously a, a desire for for different things like that. So I'm curious, like, how did you find it? Like, what did it entail? Um, you know, not as a sales pitch, but like, what drew you to this, particularly in your identities mm-hmm. as like a, a black, um, black dude, you know, black man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's even start just by defining what a rite of passage ceremony is. And you mentioned it, you're familiar with it from indigenous cultures, different African tribes, even elements of our ancestors. And there was Mm. something that boys did within the eyes of their community to be seen and recognized as men. So, Mm. and when you compare that to Western society, and I'll say this particularly for black men, we don't really have a ceremony that designates that we're men. For most men in the United mm. States, at least, it's 18, you're a man, or 21, you're a man, congratulations, you can drink. But there's nothing that mm. you truly do in your communities to be recognized as a man. Really, the only thing mm. that I even remotely knew of was, let's say, in the Jewish communities, and they have bar mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs for yeah. right, men and women to do it. So and yeah. that was the only thing. So I was really intrigued by this idea of, there's actually something that you do to claim your identity as, as a man. And in mm-hmm. my work, one of the great things about being a coach is that you get connected to these amazing humans who are doing these really brilliant expressions of the work. And mm-hmm. I was connected with a man named Jose Alejandro, who has a company called Modern Renaissance Man. And their mm-hmm. mission is essentially working with men to embody their truths and be responsible for the men that how they show up in the world and Mm. Jose and his co-founder Voy, they went on their own rite of passage ceremony in 2020 and they had a profound experience. They said, we need to get other people into this work and specifically Mm. more peoples of color. Uh, Jose is a Puerto Rican himself. And I knew Jose given uh, through connection through my coach training program. And he was a coach mm. that I've built community with over the past few years. And so we were talking about this. And for me, one of the biggest barriers was, I don't know anybody else like me or who's a black mm. person doing this type of work. I mean, we talk about going yeah. into wilderness. I'm just through the point where redefining, right, what it means to be black for me, that I am an outdoorsman and I go camping, right? Whereas before mm. me, 30, I was like, nah, that's just black people don't do that, which is right. <laughs> yeah. Not accurate, but you also yeah. have to look at when you don't have access or people in your community aren't doing those type of activities. It's a lot harder yeah. to feel safe and feel comfortable in doing them. And, yep, yep. and so uh, it's something that has been on my radar. I try to do at least one transformational edgy some, and hopefully outdoor experience a year, some sort of a retreat. And mm. I was eyeing this one and I just so happened to, again, be coming out of a romantic relationship earlier this year that really had me looking deeply at, am I in integrity with the man that I claim to be? And also realizing, mm. well, actually, what is that? And so the experience seemed really aligned. And so the experience took place in the Adirondacks, upstate New York. I went with eight other men and there were four guides. And the experience is essentially split into three segments, two months of severance, which is getting connected to how'd you actually learn how to be a man, right? Let's get Mm -hmm. into it. What's your birth story look like? 
which there's some really interesting connection to African proverbs that show how you were born is also indicative of how you live your life, which is just hmm. fascinating to actually have a, that conversation hmm. with your parents and get curious around it, how you learn to be a man, your coming of age. And also, and, and then leading up, like, what are you claiming and what are you putting down? And then the peak of the experience is the eight days in wilderness, at which four of those days you are completely in isolation. You mm. are fasting and it's just really getting connected to the man that you want to be with. And so if you want to talk about mm. something edgy, Jonathan, it is consider when was the last time you went 24 hours without technology? See, yeah. I did this. I thought I was like middle school, summer break, maybe, right? Yeah. With, we all got supercomputers at our hip now. And yep. to be off the grid for eight days before those, compl- like nothing, no connection with anybody. It's really profound what you can be with when you're just with yourself. Mm. And, and and then coming out of it is really the, the true test of this is, well, are you going to be in integrity with that man that you just claimed? And then that's where... Mm community really comes important and building relationships with the people around you and having your team support you because no man can be great all the time on their own. And, mm-hmm. and, and I'm emphasizing that element of community because I, especially so in black and brown communities, you know, one of the barriers that I've even noticed and I've worked through a lot in myself is being able and willing to share all of myself especially the areas where I need help and not having that seen as an area of vulnerability or an area of shame or guilt so that I can truly receive the type of support that I need. And Mm. you can, again, that's a whole nother door within itself. So, (laughs) you know, I'll land the plane there around just what the experience was, but if you can even Mm. hear of it, really getting connected to how you learned to be a man and even in that mm. process, recognizing, wow, a lot of what I've learned is not at all actually what, how it is that I want to be a man. And then mm. this process of not judging yourself, but honoring that man that got you to this point, mm-hmm. right? But also be willing to put that man to rest and to die so that the man that you want to be can claim this vessel. It's, just a, it's, a, it's a profound experience. Yeah. Now, what does it mean to you to be a man now? Well, that's why I started with my power statement in terms of I'm a man who shows the fuck up. Like, and mm. I bring and give all of myself. There's a connection to my truth and not compromising that truth because it would be easier to do so. Or maybe it would, it's inconvenient to bring all my truth or maybe I won't be liked or accepted in being in my truth. And mm. I, I'll share one of the key distinctions for myself that I got from the fasting and the experience was the part of me that I was actually going to rest was the boy in me. And Mm. not to say like that boy is completely gone. I almost look at the boys in the passenger seat. He's not driving the car now, but think about it. Boys and little kids, they do things because they're fun. They do things because it stimulates them or it's exciting without Mm. this larger connection to what's the commitment behind it. Right? Mm-hmm. How does it, am I in integrity with the things that are truly important to me? And so when you talk about the experience of the man that is myself, it's this claiming of the responsibility that integrity to my commitments means something. It's one mm-hmm. of the most sacred things to me. Being my truth means something. It matters. It's not some flippant thing. It's not some, oh yeah, I'm in, 
I, I lead with truth or authenticity. No, that's actually a fundamental experience of me. And mm. taking on the responsibility of owning that, I think is an incredible burden within itself. And then to, mm. to honor that, because it's, it's something that you got to choose every day and you can't mm. do it by yourself. Like, right. It, 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 it's a, you need community. You need it from your partner, your friends, your associates, everyone. And so it's just such this deeper, richer expression of humanity and being a hundred with who you are, where you're at in your journey, what you care about, and mm. allowing other people to be with you and support with you on it. That's really hard. Like it's like everything you're talking about, like it's like the level of intention that it like takes to ask some of these questions. They seem like easy questions to ask, like, or even not easy questions. That's not the right phrasing. I think there are questions that you're like, why would I ask that question of myself? Like, I am a man because I'm here and like, this is what I do. And like, I'm just, I'm just ABC. Like it almost feels almost reactive, but like the level of intention that you're like actually bringing to yourself which I think is a profound thing in it, just like that, the level of intention that you're having to ask yourself, like, who do I want to be? And I'm, and you, the response to that is saying, I want to be a man that shows the fuck up. And like every single day, I will be a man that shows the fuck up. And like, what does that look like in the context that I'm, that I'm in? And like, you're constantly, I guess you're asking yourself that question every single day. It's so yeah, I I'm like, yeah. There's like a level of profoundness in there, and a level of intention that is just like, yeah, yeah. That I like that. I think that I think a younger version of me, yeah, a younger version of me. I think particularly after I graduated undergrad, like was asking passively, but I didn't know in what container to like, not even a not even of safety, but of how to do that. Like I'm asking questions, but how do I, how do I do that? How do I live this? Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm curious for you, like, as you've asked these questions, as you've, you know, moved a uh, uh, child Austin out of the driver's seat and like now, you know, Richard Austin Walker is like uh, taking more control. What are some questions that you're asking yourself every day as you're like trying to do this now. I know it's still fresh three weeks out, but yeah. I'm curious what is like some new revelations that you're still like navigating through and, and moving through. Well, there's a few things I want to honor about that. And one, you said, yeah, it seems like it'd be really hard. And it is like, mm. that is the, the responsibility <laughs> of, of claiming something though, which is why it's so significant mm. because there that's it. is that's something it. that you're standing for. And before I go to the question, there's also look, I'm 34 years old right now. And I wasn't ready for this. Like at 24 years old, at 29 years old, I hadn't had the depth of enough of relationship with myself to, to really explore that. And hmm. again, like you talk about this boy version of Austin, even though 34 years old now, uh, for a lot of my adult life, a boy has been occupying the vessel of a man. And hmm. if you look at our society, there's many 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old men who are boys. Mm -hmm. And so it's, I, I share that to say, everyone's going to have a different time when they feel called to claim it. But it really does start to bring this question of, wow, well, what would have been possible had I been 
claim this at like 25 or 30 and you know, not to make yeah. wrong, honoring my experience exactly was it was because it got me mm-hmm. here. But why I think yeah. it's even more important that more people, even like I'll see even like myself or you or me that get exposed to this type of conversation because again, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. So how would you know to look even further than yourself or have this idea of, oh, I'm just a man. Like that's my gender identity and period. That's it. Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. So yeah. now how I hold myself in integrity with this vision of this man, it's in process. Like honestly, I'm looking and exploring daily what it's like to be that. Some things mm-hmm. that I've already incorporated, I have I say my mantra, like my power statement daily, remind Mm. myself of, again, who I am. I share it with my community and so that they can also hold me to the standard that I've set for myself. Because, And I think this is also a common challenge for many black men is feeling like they got to do it all on their own, right? They got to be the ones, they got to be strong where it's impossible. It's, It's just not all men, no man can be great on their own all the time. Mm. So it's yeah, making yeah. sure that my support structures around me, my coach knows it, my friends, my family, I've shared this even with my clients because I want everybody in my circle who I'm having meaningful relationship to hold me to a specific standard and to call me out when I'm actually not showing the fuck up, right? Call yeah. me forward. Additionally, it is right making declarations is a really powerful way. Oftentimes, I know my relationship with declarations in themselves has evolved quite a bit over the year, but being willing to mm. say, I'm going to I am gonna make a powerful statement of intention by a specific date and time that's actually an expression mm. of me showing the fuck up and socializing mm. that is another anchor that I have for accountability supports. And mm. so there are a number of different ways, and I, I don't have all of the answers right now because yeah, it, yeah. probably never will, right? It's, a, it's an ongoing yeah, yeah. process. But, but I will say it's it's been challenging even just three weeks out. It's uh, in wilderness and by yourself with none of life stimuli. It almost seemed easier to be really connected to that vision. Then you come mm-hmm. back. I you know lived in New York City and it's like, oh, all of these other things, all of these ways that I know how to be here. And is that in contrast with the man mm-hmm. my, of myself that I've claimed? Or even going back mm-hmm. with family. Oh, they know me as this certain experience of myself. But that may not mm. be the man that I've claimed. So it is, yeah. I think it takes vigilance. I think it takes grace. It's not about being perf- mm. perfect. It's just a understanding that, yeah, I'm going to have breakdowns and I'm going to fall. But the thing that I'm playing for is my default is I show the fuck up. And if I fall down, then I'm just mm. showing up versus where I looked at beforehand is my baseline is, oh, I show up. And then I rise to these moments where, I'm here and I show the fuck up, but then I, my baseline yeah. is show up. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's very much in process, but it's just, uh, mm-hmm. having it constant, constantly top of mind and making sure that my support structures are there to catch me and uphold me to the standard. Going back to that, like level of intention it takes, I think as I notice myself start to change, um, and, and, take ownership of how not just what I, how I wanted to be perceived because I think how I wanted to be perceived, I wanted to be in alignment with who I saw myself as. Right. So like, I think that that was part of those two things, but like, as I started to do that and went to like spaces where I, I was, 
I was known before. I think that 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 that's where my awareness peaks significantly because I'm like they're expecting me to react this way or do this thing or do that. But I've chosen like a different way of being now, and I and I have to remind myself of this daily, and even and particularly when I'm in those spaces, like I'm I'm referencing like family of how I used to mm-hmm. do, um, of having a, a good deal of compassion for not only myself, but even like the people that I'm interacting with, right? Um, not to say that I like, as where I'm at right now, like I would say that like, I'm better than you or like I'm a better man than you mm-hmm. or whatever. Cause that's yeah. not it. Yeah. That's not it at all. Totally. I think that, that, I think that like, I'm choosing a different path than you. And if, if you reference something or say something, that I don't necessarily agree with, like I'm not going to partake. Um, and if what you're saying or doing is causing harm, then I like, I will hold you accountable to that. But I, I think that like, as I, as I've like grown, it really is getting that alignment together for me that has become increasingly more important. And so I just want that, like at the, at the bare minimum, I want that to be, gosh, I want that to be like something that's, just so, uh, just so apparent. Like, am I, and you've said this over, am I in alignment? Am I in integrity with what, who I want to be? And like, do people see that? Does that resonate with other people? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, I mean, yeah, it's tough work. Asking yeah. it to yourself, even just asking it to yourself is bringing a level of intention to it. Yeah. Right. Just truly, like, mm-hmm. am I in integrity with who I say I am? Mm-hmm. Like that in itself gets you present to it so that you can adjust as needed. Yeah. And I think the point that you made earlier is really important. It's not judging or looking down for people that may not be where you're at within your journey. Right. And it's just how can you still have love for people and compassion? I think it's really important, particularly of men of color, to just still show up powerfully as you are. So you never know by how showing up in your truth that will inspire another man or another person. Mm. Even Uh just an example of, I always use the example with my father. Before I turned 31 years old, my dad told me he loved me three times in my whole life. Mm-hmm. And my dad, very loving father, yeah. but you're right, his, this whole idea of masculinity, I don't share, I don't, I don't express my feelings. That's why I was like, oh, wait, 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 hold up. Because I found myself in that specific pattern. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling the person that I love most on this planet that I love them because, huh? Yeah. And so I started doing it. And the first time I tell him, I love you, dad. Love you too quick. And he gets off the phone real quick. Yeah. But right as I've persisted with it over the past year, my dad has shared that with me unprompted. Yeah. Dozens of times. Yep. And it it might sound like a minor example, but it's choosing, oh, the experience that I want is to be expressive and to share Mm -hmm. my affection with another man. And even if they don't do it, still working on my brothers. They're not. Uh, they're a little bit slower on it, but it's, I am going to do it because it's the thing that I want and it's my truth. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter whether you do it or not I'm yeah. doing it because it's my truth. Yeah. And I just think standing in that, it you just, it's impossible to know how that experience will impact other people, mm-hmm. which is why it is so important for all people but specifically men in men of color mm-hmm. to really look at this and own who they want to be and get supported and share and be on a road to embodiment of their truth. Yeah. It just, it completely changes the game, how we show up at work, how we show up in our communities, how we love 
how we receive love. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many elements are impacted by this. So, you know, I'll get off my soapbox no. off this, but I can, no. I can talk about this all day. And it's just something that's really calling to me to continue to serve for people that look like you and I. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. Uh, don't mind us. You can stay on your soapbox all you want. I think because oftentimes when I was growing up, I was very much the only black person that, that was in the room. Um, mm. And I think this idea of exceptionalism, that I was the exceptional black, you know, um, <laughs> their words, not mine, but that, uh, but that, that there is, and I took that kind of like mentality of not just like in my smarts, but like in my hobbies, the thing that I did. And I had this belief um, that like I was the only black person that like did that because I just didn't see it. Right. And I think when I think about this journey that I'm on now of like claiming not only who I want to be, but like this, uh, but like this truly like loving um, black man who like, cares about people deeply um like i will say i love you that i you know i will contribute to your campaigns i'll I'll do all the show affection i'm like my heart like my first nature is to nurture and care right and i think Mm. all people have that ability and so like as i lean deeper into that like more authentically than i ever had before not pretending i have been pleasantly surprised to find so many different people that like want to do that, particularly black men. Like I've, that that they, that other black men that like believe in this, that want this healthier, freer version of masculinity, but I think in particular black masculinity, like they exist and they have existed. And uh, like, I've just been so thankful and also like not lonely anymore, you know? Um mm to be able to see like I've gone to different events and stuff like that um Reggie and I have gone to these different events and it's I think I've told you about it. it's like a black man's healing circle where like we just show yeah, up yeah. we just show up and we do yoga and we do breathing and we do these sound baths and everything like that and like there's different shades of black there's different shapes of black there's different you know you know varieties all that stuff um you know all kinds of different flavors and they're all there for like this purpose of just like being in community and I think it's just so wonderful. You know what I'm saying? And I think yeah. I, I just, I say all that to say like for folks that are like listening, that there's so many people out there that desire this, that want this. And I think we, we should yearn for it, yearn for it desire for it. And, for yeah. It. And they might not even have language for it too. And so I think, yeah, I think that it's just, I've just loved every one of these conversations that I've had. And I'm so glad that this was the opening theme for, for the show because like, it's just, it's like beautiful. Like, honestly, it's beautiful because like, I've not, I, I don't think I've had this many direct intentional conversations around ma- black masculinity and the different forms of black masculinity and folks mm-hmm. seeking like their own like forms of health and, and wellness. Um, because like the unfortunate reality that we're like looking at for black men in particular, especially when they get, you know, past 40, 45, 50, is that like, there are higher rates of suicide. There's higher rates of isolation, mental health, um, uh, anxiety, physical depression, health. physical health, mm-hmm. right? And so when we think about all these elements and how they intersect and and re- react, like it, it comes, to, it sometimes it really does come down to our communities. It comes down to you know this little resistance of of accepting our full humanity, um, leaning into like 
affection and joy and all these different, you know, and not withholding our like sadness and grief and all these different things. Right. And like leaning into the full realities and full humanness. Um, It's just like a level of freedom. It's just like, I've never felt more free than I have in like the last like two to three years as I've been on this journey. It's been really wonderful. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. And you, you said you articulated so beautifully again, it goes back into what's the impact of not being in your truth and that resistance, Mm. holding on, not letting parts of yourself be expressed that desperately want it, but you feel like it's not safe or it's not right, or you haven't claimed it. All of the impacts that that can have on you, not just your mental well-being, your spiritual, but your physical body, your vessel, Mm -hmm. particularly for men of color. So it's it's of the utmost importance. And I think even just this type of conversation, normalizing Mm -hmm. it, having this type of discussion between two black men is really powerful. So I so honor you, Jonathan, for creating a space for these type of conversations around Mm -hmm. black masculinity and blackness. And it was uh, it was a real treat to share this conversation with you. Absolutely. Same, same, same. I really, truly appreciate you coming through, Austin. Um, I would love for folks to get connected with you like deeper to follow your journey. We've had multiple conversations and just like the level of profoundness that we're able to go quickly. <laughs> I know in like a coaching relationship, like a coaching container. Yeah. Would be, would be fantastic for folks to get connected with. So I would love for you to share any and all things you got coming up and how folks can stay connected with you. Well, first and foremost, if you are a black and brown man and you have not experienced a coaching conversation before or completely unfamiliar with that, then I highly recommend that you reach out to myself. Jonathan, I know you engage in it. Do yourself Mm. the favor just to experience it. It's hard to empower anything that you don't know what it is. And one of the things that I Mm. really make sure to do is create safety for anybody who encounters me and also creating space about how coaching differs from other wellness modalities. How does it differ from Mm -hmm. consulting? How does it differ from therapy? How does it differ from sponsorship or mentorship? So you can actually be really empowered by it and Mm -hmm. give yourself the gift to have a powerful coaching conversation. Look at even something like, who are you? You can spend some time and answering that question will have a profound impact on your life. You can, and Jonathan, I'm sure you'll share my information. Yeah. AustinWalker.com. Book some time to connect. Additionally, you know, I feel compelled to share one thing that's really come for me in my rite of passage is creating sacred containers specifically for black men and BIPOC men of color yeah. to be able to have similar conversations like this. So I've got two things that I'd like to share. One, I am on the precipice of launching a men's BIPOC virtual weekly call mm. where it's essentially, it's going to be an hour. It's going to be a space for black and brown men to talk about different elements of what it's like to be a BIPOC man, right? What does it mean to be connected to your truth? What does it mean to be a man and to explore this through the lens of, right, being a minority? And there's going to be a space for us to be able to share and just receive from community. Mm. And secondarily, I have an accountability container. It's called the Real Ones Consortium. And this is a space for men who have claimed who they are and are looking for more rigor, accountability, and awareness in community. It's a small group containers that I run quarterly for 12 weeks. We meet one week of the, or once a week to make declarations, get curious about how we're showing up and delivering on our declarations and supporting each other. And each 
cohort is no more than 10 men. And it's all, again, black men who are across a diverse range of industries, diverse range of personalities who are all committed to brotherhood and expansion. And I share those because it's deeply meaningful for me to creating community and spaces where mm-hmm. conversations like this, Jonathan, aren't in isolation, but they're in community and you can be inspired by what somebody else is up to, inspired by somebody else's vulnerability, inspired by somebody else's truth as we're all on our own respective journeys. I love that. Thanks so much, Austin. And one thing that resonates with me is like healing doesn't happen in isolation. Healing happens in community. And I think that there is, is, yeah. And I think, I think we, uh, I think we as men have been sold the lie that we have to do a lot of this work alone. And I think, you know, whether that's a one-on-one kind of conversation, working your way up into community or or doing a, a mix of both having friends, coach, whatever, that you have the ability to do that. Um, I think that there's great avenues to do that. So thanks so much for sharing all of that. Really, really appreciate you coming through, Austin. I'm going to share all of your info in the show notes. Um, But this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much for coming through. Yeah, looking forward to another time, another conversation, Jonathan. Thank you. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Peace. We out. Oh, one more thing, y'all. Oh my gosh. So I'm going to go ahead and put into the show description um, a GoFundMe. So this one's kind of personal. Um, Goodness. So my mom recently got married um, and her husband actually, um, he had a massive stroke. I mean, he he almost died about a year ago and he's been recovering. Um, It's actually been remarkable. He was told that, you know, he's not supposed to walk again and he's making miraculous, miraculous recovery. I actually just saw a picture of him standing next to my mom. Um, but they're actually going to be having a ceremony, um, at the end of this year in November. And I'm actually officiating and I'm so excited about it, but their uh, medical bills are exorbitant. Um, and they, yeah, they just want to live a wonderful life. And so you've heard my mom on here. She's a wonderful, fantastic woman. Larry is awesome. I'm like, just over the moon for my mom and Larry. Um, that they get to have um, a wedding at the end of the year. But those medical expenses are exorbitant. Um, and so would love for y'all to support anything. Share the word. Again, that GoFundMe link is going to be in the show notes. So please, please, please support. doesn't matter how little or how much. Please help out. Um, all right, that's for real, for real it. <laughs> Bye, y'all. See you next week.